Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. I'm going to go straight into the Word. We're dealing with uh, the third heaven. You remember? Father God, we thank you. Bless your holy name. Exalt you even now. We come before you, Lord, with the mind of the Holy Spirit, that you feed us tonight with wisdom and understanding. Cause the revelation of your word to cause a change in our light and in our thinking. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this part two of well, this the third heaven. That's what we're dealing with. And uh, I'm sure you're getting some insights. It's important that when you hear stuff like this, you go back to them over and over and over again until you get them at your fingertips. So that uh, the scripture will say, if anybody should ask you, you should be able to give an answer to that which you believe. Praise God. And so our test remains, Second Corinthians 12, verse number 1 to 2. Let's just take number 1 to 2 tonight. Okay, we're going to read up to verse 3, 4 as well. Okay. So we're gone. It is not expedient for me that there's a glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 40 years ago, whether the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one cut up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth how that he was cut up to paradise. And had unspeakable words, which it's not lovely for a man to alter. But the truth is it. You take time to study the word of God as given to Apostle Paul and even is trying to declare here. He finally made a declaration as to words. He was saying he was unable to alter in the book of Romans. He declared those things that seem to be mysteries to him. I'll make you see that maybe next week. And so last week we said, you don't need to die to go to heaven because heaven is readily available to you. Jesus brought heaven down to earth. That's the honest truth. Hallelujah. We are told in Revelation 21, it's all the church, which is the bride of Christ, coming down out of heaven onto the earth. He brought heaven, and that is why in John 3.13, he said he was in heaven. He brought down heaven. He came in with heaven. He lived in heaven before he left. You see, the thing is this. It's just, that word heaven is, is just a description of that which is glorious, that which is lofty, that which is high, that which is, in quote, um, a higher life than the earthly life. That is just a simple word for it. It's a higher life than the earthly life. 
It is the life of God. And you don't need to die or before you experience the life of God. Amen. And last week, extensively we were able to see uh, where the scripture tells us that he swore by himself when he swore to heaven. How I many of you remember that? Very good. Praise God. And then we start at the point where we were told Capernaum was lifted up to heaven. And you can also remember that. And um, that's Matthew 11 verse 23. We'll read that again. Matthew eleven twenty-three. Praise God. And so he said, And thou Capernaum are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. That Capernaum that art exalted to heaven, meaning Capernaum was elevated to a status that is called heavenly state. And why was that? Because Jesus had these miracles performed in this place. Several miracles were performed in this city. And so what he was saying was, I brought heaven to Capernaum. You were elevated from the base life, as it were, earthly dimension to a higher dimension of God's glory because my presence was there, heavenly presence was there, but you left all of that, so you're going to be brought down by way of your own belief. Amen. Praise the Lord. So they enjoyed the heavenly presence not that it was practically transformed up somewhere. That's the point I want you to see. Capernaum was not lifted up. But the Bible says Capernaum was in heaven. Is that okay? Right. Not that Capernaum was, let me use the language of the church. Capernaum was not raptured up to heaven or caught up up to a dimension up in the sky where people think heaven is. Because the common understanding is heaven is up above. Eh? I told you that before. But it's so misleading. When you say, where is heaven? You say, oh. But I'm saying the earth is not flat. The earth is spherical. And so, and it's rotating on its axis. Right? So, if the earth is rotating, you who is here in Africa, you say, God is up. Somebody in Tundra region will say, God is up. But in that dimension, he's saying God is down. I mean, heaven is down. You pointing up, he's pointing down. So tell me who is correct. Amen. So Christ brought heaven to Capernaum, and this departure as well um, was what brought hardness of hearts when he left the city. When they forsook, I mean, they couldn't remember again or put in mind all of the miracles that he performed in that city. So, because of the hardness of their hearts, Capernaum was brought down to hell. You leave heaven, you enter hell. It's as simple as that. It's not saying in the resurrection, Capernaum will be taken to hell. He said, no, you're going to be brought down to hell. Right where you are. You were taken up to heaven, you lose heaven, you come into hell. Somebody say, Pastor, what are you talking about hell? Well, you need to find out which hell they were brought to. Because it's only King James that use the word hell, hell, hell all over. You check out that translation. In the true sense, you have four words that are used for hell in the Bible. You have Gehenna, you have Tetarus, you have Sheol, you have Hades. So you must first find out 
in context which one is being used. He continues looking at the King James and reading the word hell will always confuse you. And especially because of the way the church have taught that subject, you will always be confused. What I mean is you always feel hell is hellfire. Anytime the word hell comes to your mind or you read about hell, what comes to your mind is what? Hellfire. No, so you tell me, are you trying now to say Capernaum is going to be taken to hellfire? Is that what he's saying? Praise God. If you leave your heavenly state of existence, you get into hell. No two ways about that. The things you pass through in comparison to what you enjoy in the presence of God is hellish. Amen? It's so simple. All right. And somebody said, you mean hell is not going to be up there? I'll leave that. Go take up our subject on Lazarus and the rich man. If you are viewing through the telecast, you just go scroll down on our website www.davidogaga.org and check out the whole study on Lazarus and the rich man in the book of Luke chapter 16 so that you can understand what hell is all about. Praise God. So even so here, we see the presence of Christ in and with us raises up into a realm of heaven for you are dead and your life presently is existing with Christ. We said that last week in Colossians 3, 3 and 4. Amen. And find that Christ resides within us. Christ is within us. Christ in you, Colossians 1.20. Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he raised us up with Christ and gave us a sitting position. That is a realm of dominion with him in the heavenly places. Okay, let's look at that again from the book of Ephesians. Until now we just have the situation. Ephesians 2. Let's look at um, very quickly 1 and 2. Ephesians 2. And you had it quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Thank you. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. And then he says, Among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins had quickened us, he gave us life together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. What's the next thing? And has raised us up together. Remember our study on crucified the flesh. How many of you remember that? Good. When he died, we died. When he rose, we rose together with him. And that's what he's saying here. Raise us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
We are raised up. We are sitting together. So, if he's in heaven, where are you? You are where he is. Amen. We are sitting together. Somebody is getting angry. What about John 14? Who will get there? Be patient. <laughs> so, what are we saying? Now, you can also look at Acts 17. I think we have Acts 17. 28. Remember that? In him we live and move and do what? And have our being. Praise God. Amen. So what are we saying here? To be in heaven is to be in the presence of God's glory. To rule and reign over all the works of the enemy. Even now, which is a revelation of his life. It's a revelation of God's life. That's what heaven is all about. To the spirit by faith now. Not when you die. You got to understand that. This Christ's life leads us above poverty, sicknesses, sorrows, etc. It is the realm of joy, the realm of peace, the realm of righteousness, and the supernatural supply of all needs. And so establishing God's kingdom and terminating the kingdom of darkness. That's all about it. When you start enjoying the presence of God, when you start enjoying the revelation of God continuously coming to you, when you start having the fellowship with God, praise God. And that is why we said, John 3.30, Jesus said, he was in heaven. But remember, when he said that to Nicodemus, he was still in Palestine, but he said, I'm in heaven. Why? He was in the presence of God. God is always with him. Wherever he was, God was there. Wherever God was, he was there. He was in God and God was weak on, in him. Praise God. Amen. So you see, it's a common belief by majority of people that evil Christians, I mean, not just people, now, even Christians, that heaven is located up somewhere in the sky. Like I said in the beginning. So then if you ask them where is heaven, they're going to be pointing upstairs. Heaven is not a location. We got to understand that. It's a realm in the spirit dimension. Praise God. So, it, it, put it this way. Scripture says, we are born the image of the RT. You shall also bear the image of the what? Heavenly. It's so simple. So, if you are bearing the image of the heavenly, where are you? As you were bearing the image of the RT, you are an earthly man. But when you start bearing the image of the heavenly, you become a heavenly, not just a heavenly conscious person, but you're a heavenly person representing heaven, bringing down heaven to people. The implication is wherever you find yourself, you are supposed to be revealing heaven to those people around there. Hallelujah. Amen. No, we have a lot of people who say they died, they went to hell, some died, they went to heaven. And they come back and start preaching messages and, you know, telling you stories how they went to heaven. The gate was open. Have you heard that before? Yeah. They died, they went to heaven. And God told them, go back. You have not finished. Go and complete the work I sent you to do. And they'll be begging, no, just let me stay, please. God said, no, you have another work. 
And then they come back and they start telling you stories. Some say they went to hell. You've heard that too, right? Yes, I call that the camp of the comebackers. They come back and tell us stories. So there's a court, you know, a group of people that tell you stories of how they went to hell and how they went to heaven. So I call them the comebackers. And that's the, the gospel of the, of the comebackers. Amen. And they came back and they tell you stories about what they see up in heaven. Dream world they went to. How many of you understand that you can be in a dream and be seeing things and you think that, oh man, that's what it is. The Bible says you wake out of the dream and you find out there's nothing. You were hungry, you went to bed. And you find yourself eating. You woke up and find out you are still hungry because you never ate anything. Why did you dream of eating? Because you were hungry before you went to bed. Acton can tell you that. When Peter was hungry, remember that? Okay, and then the basket was brought to him. So there are certain things you think and you're feeling that makes you to have dreams. We've dealt with that before, remember? Praise God. So, now, 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 let's look at the scripture for instance. Uh, Luke chapter 16 verse 31. About this comebackers uh, gospel thing. Uh, some of you, uh, I remember some time ago. Now, all those people who came in with those kind of teachings or testimonies, you don't hear about them anymore. I don't forget what I'm saying. Because that is not a gospel. You don't hear about them anymore. Oh, in the 80s, you have guys, they would travel all over the place, giving testimony. You know, you understand that any crusade at all, they take them in there. Those who went to hell, I come back. Those who went to heaven, I come back. No, you tell me, where is that ministry today? Because that's not a gospel. Look at, look at, look at what is written here. Um, remember, the rich man was saying, Lazarus, send I mean Moses, sorry. The rich man was saying to Abraham, send Lazarus. Remember that? Good. So that um, he will talk to my five brothers, the sons of Leah, you know that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So here is the word that he said, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophet, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Many God is not interested to use dead people to preach a gospel. Read the word. I don't forget in this. Amen. He's not interested in using people preaching the gospel. That's why some of them will make CDs for you to buy. Oh, they were in the marine world for 10 days and they saw things and they went to hell. And when they come, they're giving testimony and God said, Send this in and cross to my children. And all of those who cannot share it, they will suffer. Those who share it, they will come to heaven. And you start sharing, wasting your data. Stupid things. Amen. I remember one guy just last week shared a video to one of our groups, one of the groups I belong to. And he said, I'm talking to you. God is sending a message to me. You will watch me now. If you don't share this, you cannot get a blessing. Instantly, I just deleted. You're not saying on the mountain and telling me to get a blessing on the mountain that you went to. You're deceiving yourself. And some of you are so gullible that those are the things you listen to. And those are the things you swallow. Somebody went to Abiyokuta, climb a mountain, and then tell you, God told him to tell you. And then you must share the video to about uh, 20 people. And then you get a miracle. And then you do that. 
Oh. Praise God. Yeah, this thing I'm saying is it's not funny. I was in a conference in South Africa a few years ago. And, and I told you the story. Here was this man that came up. He respected many of the gospel and he said, oh, he went to heaven. And the grass in heaven, God showed him heaven. The grass in heaven is so wonderful. And the grass can even literally talk to you. Everything there is golden. <laughs> Praise God. It's so funny. Now, if you think, like I said also last week, I'm sure. You see, see our roads. They all go bad and then they fix them again. Is that not true? Now, we are expecting heaven to be an eternal reality. So how will you take gold that perishes to fix heaven that is eternal? What do you think? Huh? If our first Peter 1, 7 tells you the same thing, or 17. Hmm? Okay, 4 Peter 1, 7. Tells you the trial of your faith is much more than gold that perishes. That means gold perishes. So why would God use the perishable to decorate the imperishable? Where is the sense there? Where is the logic? Hallelujah. So, for goodness sake, you can see that God can't do such a stupid, stupid thing and using the the, the perishable substance of this art to decorate his eternal reality for you to walk on. No. That is cheap thinking. That is not really the Bible. Second Peter 1 verse 4. Let me show you something there. Second Peter 1 verse 4. Praise God. You see, he said, take it from verse 3. <clears throat> Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is to say, you're looking at the resurrection, you have a hope of resurrection. And how did he resurrect? He got another body. How are you supposed to be resurrecting? Putting on a glorified body. That's the hope. Not the hope of the rapture. Not the hope of going to heaven. No, no, no. He got a glorified body when he left the grave and he walked the earth for 40 days with that kind of glorified body. Remember that. That is the hope that he's talking about here. We have been come, I mean, into that. He's giving us this lively hope and the assurance of that lively hope is that Jesus Christ demonstrated it for 40 days. That is the hope we're talking about. That is what you're going to see all over the place. Sons of God in glorified body. When? I don't know. But that is where we are coming into. The next thing says, <clears throat> To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that faded not away, reserved where in heaven. When you talk of inheritance, <clears throat> somebody says, Okay, David, that is it. It's reserved in heaven. Oh, ask you a simple question. When you have your money, where do you reserve them? In the bank. When you want to use money, where do you use it? Is it in the bank? Talk to me. But the money is reserved in the bank. It doesn't mean you have to go to the bank and use the money. 
So if your inheritance reserved in heaven doesn't mean you have to go to heaven to get your inheritance. Come on. Is that making sense to you? Okay. If you buy your, your fish, your meat, whatever, groceries, where do you put them? In the deep freezer. Reserve, preserve so that they don't get bad. But when you want to eat your fish that you preserve or reserved in your fridge, where do you eat it? You don't even eat it in the kitchen. You turn to the dining. Are we here? But you see, it was preserved not to get into corruption where in the deep freezer. But when you want to use it, you're going to eat it right. In the sitting room, I mean the dining room. So the father you inherited and preserved in heaven doesn't mean you have to go to heaven to get it. What he's saying is, the state of heaven preserves your inheritance for you. They are not corruptible anymore. Amen. Praise God. Are you following me? So, but what exactly is heaven? You may ask, where is it located? How does one really get into heaven, etc.? These are many more questions are the things we are dealing with in this particular series of study. <clears throat> Praise God. Now let's read the scripture together. The book of, uh, go with me to John 14, verse number 10. The A part, and verse 11, the A part. So let's just take a look at it. Okay, that's all right. Praise God. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, go with me, uh, John 14, yeah, 10 and verse 11. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. Believe and thou know that I'm in the Father. And I want you to see the emphasis. The emphasis is the word in. Believe thou know that in the Father, and the Father is in me. Glory. Remember, he prayed the prayer in John 17. The Father, they might be where I am, that they may be there also. I in you, they in me. You understand that? Amen. Look at that. Believe thou know that I'm in the Father. And you know that prayer he prayed in John 17 was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost? Perfectly well. Okay. And he said, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. And I want you to know that. He was living on the earth and the Father was in him. And that's exactly what I'm saying. You don't need to go to heaven to get God. You can be here and God resides in you. And if God is residing in you and you believe that, my question is, where is God? If God ought to be in heaven and he's in you. Oh, uh, glory to God. Now look at the next thing. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or as believe me for the very work's sake. So he was saying, hey, listen, Everything that is coming out of me, which is heavenly, is the Father that's resident where? In my life. And this is what he brought to you on the day of Pentecost. That God may begin to reside where? In your life. Give me Ephesians 2. No, Ephesians 1, let's look at the last verse maybe. Let me see if that's what I mean. Sorry, Ephesians 2. The last two verses, Ephesians 2 we do. Take it from Ephesians 2. That will help us. Praise the Lord. Right. 
Okay, go back a bit. Um, back up two scriptures, back up two verses rather. Okay. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of faith. You are fellow citizens. And I keep on emphasizing this. The word citizen simply speaks of somebody who is born into a country. And you cannot be a citizen without a birth certificate. Come on, are you listening to me? Yeah. If you see somebody from Ghana in Nigeria, he is a foreigner resident in this country. And there are a number of years or, or so he might have to stay before he can get citizenship. Is that okay? Right. But we are saying you are citizen means you have right. And think about it. One of the things that a citizen does is that he can vote. A foreigner cannot vote. The thing that proves that you are a citizen is that you can cast your lot. You can vote for this in the election. But a non-citizen cannot vote. Are you following me? So if you are a citizen of God, oh glory. You know what God is trying to tell you here? You are a citizen of God. You have your birth certificate. You are a voting right. That is why you can deal with devils. Hallelujah. Come on, are you following what I'm saying here? All right. So, the next thing, and he talks about, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ is a the chief cornerstone. Right, the house is rising. In whom all the building faithfully framed together, grown into what? A holy habitation, what? In the Lord. A holy temple where? In the Lord. A womb, yeah, you, you, you. Also build that together for a what? Habitation of God through the Spirit. Did you get that? You are being built for the habitation of God through the Spirit. Jesus said in John 10, 14, I mean 14, 10, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Amen? I remember he said, where I am, there you may be also. So where was he when he was talking? He was in the Father. Are you there with me? And he said, I'm going to bring you to where I am. I'm in the Father. And so what happened? On the day of Pentecost, he brought us to where he was. We are now in the Father. Praise God. And now what? We are not just only in the Father. The Father is also in us. Because like he said in John 14, 10 and 11, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Remember that. Praise God. And the same thing you see here. A womb you also build it together for the habitation of God. What? Through the Spirit. So through the Holy Ghost, God dwells in your life. And I ask you the question, if God is in heaven, where are you? That may be hard. But that is what the Bible is. That is what the message is. <laughs> that is what we are asked to teach and to preach and to get men to come to the place of realization of knowing exactly who they are, where they are, why they are where they are. Amen? Praise God. So that's the point. We are where he is. And all of that happened by reason of the Holy Spirit. So, all the signs, wonders, and miracles that Jesus demonstrated were because God was in him. And he was not the one doing the miracle. It was God that was doing the miracles. That is why if you're doing miracles, it's not you, it's God. It's Christ in you that will be doing the miracles, not you. You have nothing to boast of. Hallelujah. He was simply a carrier of heavenly presence wherever he was. 
That's why he said, I am in heaven. He was on earth. And when he said, no man has ascended to heaven, remember that? He made a clear statement. And uh, let me show you that. In John 13 verse, I mean John 3, 13. Let me show you what he meant to say. Hallelujah. And no man has ascended up to heaven, but the son of man that came down from heaven, even the son of man preaches in heaven. And I try to explain to you that Jesus, remember when he said no man, he's simply no man. From Enoch, Elijah, Moses, whoever, name it. Before he appeared here, no man has ascended up to heaven. And now you're going to ask me, Pastor, so where was Enoch? That is why we are dealing with what we are dealing with. Because you think, you thought he was taken to heaven. Jesus came and said nobody was there. <laughs> now I want to ask a question. Who will you believe? Jesus or the story you've been told? So can I explain to you what it meant? You see, the things I'm teaching is not about how you're going to get your, your salary tomorrow. I'm teaching you spiritual realities about who you are. Your real you. Praise God. Boy, be to Colossians 1 and verse 19. Let's take it from the Amplified Translation. What he was saying here is Elijah, Moses, Enoch, all of those people never have the privilege of having God fully dwelling in them. I am the only one that have the fullness of God in my life. That's what it means. Look at what he said. For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, power and attribute should dwell in him, what? Permanently. Praise God. The total sum of that which is called God was him in his life. Moses never had that because the tabernacle was still standing according to Hebrews chapter 11. So as long as the tabernacle was standing, no man has access to the most holy place. So Moses never had the fullness of God. Elijah never had the fullness of God with all the miracles performed. Never had the fullness of God. Enoch never had the fullness of God. In fact, verse 13 of Hebrews 11, the Bible says all these people died, so Enoch died a natural death. Just like every other person. He said all these died in faith, not ever received the promise. Hebrews 3, 13, check it out. Hallelujah. Come on, are you there with me? So here is the point. When he said, no man has ascended up to heaven. Nobody has come to that place of the fullness of God dwelling in him. So he said, for that please the Father, that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, powers and attributes should dwell in him permanently. You together. Take the next verse. Let's see. Verse 20. 
and God proposed that through by the service, the intervention of him, the son, all things should be completely reconciled back to himself. Whether on earth or in heaven or through him, the father made peace by means of the blood of his cross. Did you get this? Right. Praise God. So that is the explanation he gave in, I mean the explanation to that Hebrew, sorry, to the John 3 verse 13 that you're reading, that no man has ascended up to heaven. The explanation is nobody has the fullness of God as long as the tabernacle was standing in the wilderness. When Moses died, the tabernacle was there. Amen. Hallelujah. When Elijah died, if you will, the tabernacle was there. And nobody has access to the fullness of God as long as the tabernacle was standing. So when Jesus came, he said, I am the only one. No man has ascended. Nobody has come to that place. You know, when you ascend, you move up to a higher degree of dimension. It's not going to float in up into the sky. That's not the meaning of ascension. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. Are you following at all? Is it too hard for you? <laughs> so, you see, we have come to the place of being partakers of this divine nature of God. And as a matter of fact, we are also putting of the fullness of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The sum total of divine nature is coming into our life through Jesus Christ. And so we are where he is. And so when he said, no man has ascended to heaven, that was then, not now. Now we all have ascended, all believers. Because we are where he is. Whatever thing he carries, that's what we carry. He carries the father, we have the father. Not just the father, but himself alone. I mean together, amen. We have him as well. In John 14, he said the same thing. Philip, believe me and keep my words. I and the Father will come and make our abode to you. How many of you understand that? So we are not only having him, we are also having the Father within us. That's why we are his temple. His dwelling place. Praise God. So the call is to heaven. We call into heaven. Hebrew 3 verse 1. We call into heaven to possess the fullness of the Father. I just need you to see that. We are for holy brethren. And can I say that to you again? You are holy. I say you are holy. It doesn't matter how you want to think about it. You can think that you are very stupid. It makes no difference. God said you are holy. That's all. Because you holy brethren. Brethren are people of the same family or household of faith. You are a brother with Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Hallelujah. And the Bible says the firstborn among many brethren. So brethren are men of faith. So we all we become men of faith or people of faith. The Bible refers to us as holy brethren. We are holy people. Hallelujah. Holy brethren, partakers, glory, of the heavenly world calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. In this fair of being in heaven, think about Jesus. We are heavenly people. We are called into heaven to 
demonstrate the attributes of the heavenly life that God has ordained for us before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. At this dimension, we possess the fullness of God. That is the intention because Jesus has the fullness of God. And so when he calls us to himself, we become partakers of the heavenly realm. Let me, let me even show you something here. Can we take a, a simpler translation? Do you have Living Bible or NLT, anyone? Let's see if you have the NLT. Just read it. That is Francis translation. NLT, Francis translation. Okay. And so dear brothers, sisters who belong to God and are partakers with those called to heaven. Hallelujah. Think carefully about this Jesus who may decide to be God's messenger and high priest. Look at the next thing. Let's read the verse 6. For he was faithful to God who appointed him. Just as Moses said faithfully when he was entrusted with God's earthly house. King James said God's house. What was God's earthly house? Can anybody explain to me? That was a tabernacle. Moses was faithful in God's earthly house. The tabernacle. So the congregation of Israel that were in the wilderness was God's house, but it's called earthly house. So Moses was a messenger in God's earthly house. But God was there. Are you there with me? Look at the next thing. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder. But one, but the one who built everything is who? Is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house. As a servant. Now, I used to ask this question. If not, that I've just explained it. Where was Moses serving that he was faithful in God's house? In the wilderness. Amen. All right. So, don't forget, there's a comparison of two people here, Moses and Jesus. All right, yeah. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His word was an illustration of the truths we reveal later. Whatever thing Moses was doing was illustration, was just a sign, was just in a prophetic of that which is going to be spoken of later. And that is what we are declaring now. What's the next thing? But Christ, oh glory, as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house. Can I hear an amen? amen. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in who? In Christ. We are God's house. So when Jesus said in John 14, in my Father's house, what was he talking about? He was talking about the church. He was talking about you. He didn't say he's going up to build some mansions for you. When you die, you go and inherit. No, you are God's house. In my father's house, many mansions. In, in the church, there are different people. And each person in that church is a mansion, is a room, is a dwelling place for who? For God. You are God's house. Can I hear an amen? And say, God cannot build his house outside of where he lives. 
If I'm living together in God's house and God is in heaven, I'm boldly declaring to you, I am in heaven. I care less what you think. Somebody said, with all this your body, what do you think heaven is? If Jesus said that, why is it difficult for you to believe it? Hallelujah. Okay, let me show you another thing. Go with me to 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. Just read it. Only that verse. Maybe NLT as well. Okay. So that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is a pillar and a ground of the truth. Take it from King James. Make it simpler for you. But if I tarry long, that I mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, in my father's house, and many mansions. What is the father's house? In the house of which is, simple definition, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Praise God. So the church is the opposite of the bottomless pit. I've confused you now. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when you read, when you read in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 20, you talk about the bottomless pit and you remember that. The devil is going to be cast into the bottomless pit and all of that and all of that. You know, simple. But if something has no bottom, that means there's no foundation. Is that okay? If you have a bucket and there is no thing, there is no bottom. Bottom. You understand that? That means there is no foundation. Where there is no foundation, there is no ground. So the only place where you have ground is the church. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? This is the only place where you have foundation. Every other system have no foundation. And if they have no foundation, that's why you cannot build on it. But you can build upon the church of Jesus Christ because he said he built his own church. And he's a rock. Praise God. Are we still together? Yeah, 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 yes. I'm trying to make you understand. Don't always think having a geographical location of somewhere that you're going to fly to one day. That's a deception. Absolute deception. And somebody said, but when I die, what happened? You go back to God. God is spirit. You take up a new body. A glorified body. God gives you a body. First Corinthians 15. Let's read that. Maybe. Let's read that. 15. Look at verse uh, 30. Let's, let me see. 30, 35. We can see that. Okay. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Go ahead. No, I said 30. Go to 30. This is too far off. Verse 30, okay. Okay, it's like we have missed it as well. Okay. Why is that Job by the if uh, in this hour? What's the next verse? Let me see. I protest by rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, I die daily. All right, go ahead. And if my manner of men are fought with the beasts of Ephesus, what advantage are me if the dead rise not? Let not eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. The next thing, be not deceived. Evil communication got up good manners. Mm -hmm. Awake to righteousness and see not. 
For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your own shame. And he said, but some man will say, how are the dead raised? And with what body do they come? Look at the next thing. Thou fool. <laughs> that with that sower is not quickened except what? It die. Look at the next verse. And that with that sowers, that sweat not that body, that shall be. But bear grain. It may be a chance of wheat or of some other grain. What's the next thing? But God giveth it what? A body as it pleased him. And to every seed his own body. Did you get that? Go back there. I read it from NLT. Verse 35. 35 NLT. New Living Translation. Just look at that. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Simple. Is that okay? Look at the next thing. What a foolish question. <laughs> I don't know. The Bible can be so hard sometimes on people. When you ask foolish question, it tells you straight. That question is foolish. <laughs> it says, what kind of foolish question? When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. Okay? And what you put on the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of a weed, whatever you are planting. Then God gives the new body he wants it to have a different plant grows from each kind of seed. Did you get that? Come on, are you with me? So when you ask any question, when you die, what happened? Okay, Ecclesiastes 12, verse number 7. Read that. Our time is up for today. We're going to be stopping here. Hallelujah. Then shall the dust return to the dust at its walls, and the spirit which is your real you shall return unto who? Unto God who gave it. And so when Jesus was on the cross, the last prayer said, into the hand I do what? I commit my spirit. This I commit my soul. Into the hand I commit my spirit. When your spirit depart from your body and move on into the spirit dimension, God close you with a different body. With that body you can move. That is what you see to be the experience of Moses and Elijah that came out from the other side. Peter, James, and John saw them. Somebody said that's a vision. Well, you may see it's a vision, whatever thing it is. But the reality of it is you drop your spirit, I mean you drop your flesh, the spirit goes back to God, God gave it another body. When you die and buried, you have been planted. You are not going to resurrect with that kind of dead body. You come in with a glorified body. Can I hear an amen? And in that body, you operate in the spirit dimension. That new body you're putting on because you have the seed. Now, this is very important. If you don't have the seed of Christ, you have another body, which is the body of condemnation, not the body of glory. Jesus had a body of glory, but when you, when you are not, you don't have the seed of Christ. That's why I said, if you don't have the seed of Christ, you're going to receive another body, not the body of glory. And that's why you should be careful. But with the seed of Christ in you, you receive what? 
a glorified body. The body that enables you to move in the spirit dimension. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, so when you have a body of condemnation, that's the kind of body that is, is limited. God doesn't allow you to operate. You must understand that every spirit seeks a body to manifest what is in the spirit. That's why the legion, the demons were saying, let's go into the head of the swine. Every spirit needs a body to manifest. That's why witches want to possess you. Because they want to use your body to operate. Come on. Are you listening to me? Praise God. Hallelujah. So that's the point. You drop the flesh, you take up another body. God gives you a glorified body. You have access to operate. I tell you, you can move within the cloud of witnesses. You can move in Mount Zion, the city of the living God. You can minister to people. You can appear to them like an angel because you have another body. Sometimes some of the things you call angel are people who are moving up from the spirit realm to come and assist you in your work. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Friend, this word is good. Amen. Yeah, we see in reality, we're talking about how to move in into what God has in mind. And this is what God is saying. Friends, you don't need to die to go to heaven. You got to put on a new body. You got to have a new consciousness and a new mind. You got to be translated through the spirit, through the mind of God. And as God continues to pour his mind onto you through the world, you are growing on a daily basis and your old man is dropping. Your new man is being renewed. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.